This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. You know, um, we've been in a series uh, for quite a while now. And so if you are a guest with us or joining us for the first time, um, you're stepping into something that we've been, been going through since the beginning of the summer. But it's actually a really great time that you tuned in today. Because here's the deal, we're in a series called Locked Up, Not Out, where we're looking at a portion of the Bible called the prison letters. And and these letters were written by uh, the Apostle Paul and while he was in prison. And what we're starting to see, what we've come to see in, in the first time we were going through looking at the book of Ephesians, and we continue to see what we're going to step into today, is this theme that even though circumstances not, might not be well, even though Paul found himself in prison, even though he was locked up, the gospel did not stop. The gospel was not locked out. It continues to move forward regardless of the circumstances and situations that we're in if we allow it to. And so we just finished up um, the book of Ephesians and we're stepping into really a new part of the series today. So if you, this is your first time, uh, welcome. You're joining in right on a great day as we step into Philippians. And I think one of the things that we're going to see this morning as we look at Philippians is we're going to find this theme of Paul being an influencer. And I I think that that's really important because we see as he's writing, he's influencing these people that he's talking to. And I just want to, before we even get too far, just have you think about what would it be like to be in prison and to be in a spot in which you're writing to people that are far away? I mean, what would you write? I mean, what would be the tone of your le- of the letter itself? I and mean, would it be sad? Would it be angry? And, and what would you say to the people? What would be the content? Would it be about how difficult your, your circumstances or situation is, or, or would it be something else? Well, Paul found himself writing really specific things to people that he had a deep, deep affection for. It was so clear in the way that Paul wrote that he loved these people, and it would make sense that he did. Because 10 years before Paul found himself in this prison, uh, Paul was in the spot of getting ready to go on his second missionary journey. Paul would go from place to place and share the gospel with people. And as he was getting ready for a second missionary journey, he was planning to go to Asia. But as he started to make his way there, um, the Holy Spirit was saying, like, no, that's not the direction that I want you to go. And so Paul tried to go a different direction. And over and over again, it seemed like the Holy Spirit was saying, like, this is not the way to go. And so in the midst of this, I can only imagine Paul was getting frustrated because he so longed to share the good news. But there was a night while Paul was in Troas, and while he was there, he had what's been known as the Macedonian vision. And what was in that vision was that there was a man who came to him, and he said, Paul saw in the vision a man that said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul woke up from that vision, came out of that vision, whatever it was, his mind was set and he headed towards Macedonia and in the midst of that found himself in a city called Philippi. And so when he found himself in Philippi, what he found is that there were really not many Jews there and from what he could see, there were no believers around. A ton of Gentiles, in other words, tons of people who were not Jews that were in that place. In fact, there was a commentator who talked about what Philippi looked like and I wanna read it to you. It says, Philippi was a key city in in the ancient Roman world. It was a thriving Gentile city located in northeastern Greece and was the gateway to the east. It was a Greek in culture and proud of its status as a Roman colony. Politically, it was like Rome in every way. Roman laws, Roman citizenship for its residents, immunity from taxation, and all the rights and privileges of Rome. They had it all. 
Religiously, it reflected the pagan diversity of its population. And so this is the Rome, or this is the, the Philippi that Paul found himself coming into. And so right away as Paul enters a city, Paul does what he does, and he just starts to look around and notices what's going on. And soon he found himself um, by a body of water, and there was this lady down there, a group of ladies down there praying. They were known as God-fearing people. And as, he, as they were praying, Paul came and talked to this person and shared the good news about who Jesus is. And this girl, this woman named Lydia, ended up giving her life to Christ. And what was so cool about it is it wasn't just her. It ended up being her and her whole household that started to follow Jesus. She was a really rich businesswoman, so it seems. So she seemed to have a lot of influence in the area. Uh, later on, uh, Paul found himself having another encounter in which uh, there was a demon-possessed girl that was following him around. And he cast out the demon. And uh, while that seems like it might be a good thing, that was sort of a, a conversion moment for her, but it was a bad deal for, uh, for the people that owned her because she was a slave. Because that demon was allowing her to be able to give fortunes to people uh, as like a fortune teller, but that was no longer uh, available to her. And so the guys got mad and ended up having Paul, and Silas was with them, thrown into jail. And so for those of you who have been around the Bible, you might have heard the story of Paul and Silas. Um, they were in jail, and as they were there, um, they started singing in the middle of the night, and this, this crazy thing happens where the earthquake takes place, and all of the, the shackles that were on them ended up just dropping off, and the prisoners were able to get out in that moment. And the jailer was about to kill himself because he recognized, well, if the people get away, uh, I'm done for anyway. So he was about to end his own life, but Paul said, don't do it. We're all here. Don't kill yourself. In the process of all of this, the jailer ends up giving his life to Jesus. And not just him, a theme that we see quite often is it wasn't just him, but it was him and his whole household who came to know Jesus. And so this started to become like the, the seedbed for this new faith community that started to come together, these and others. And all of a sudden, there started to be this church that came together in Philippi of different people who started to um, come together, who were converted by what Paul had done. Paul loved these people. He loved ministering to them, and he had a heart for them. But eventually he did what Paul does, and he headed off to a different place because he knew that other people needed to hear the gospel. And so after that moment that took place way back then, 10 years had passed, and Paul found himself in prison in Rome. And as he is, he finds himself writing. Paul's writing to these people because he gets word about them. He hears about the state of mind that they're in and the perspectives that those believers were starting to take on, and Paul feels like this is a thing that he wants to write to him about. He could have wrote about how bad his circumstances were. He could have wrote about how he wished his conditions were different and how he felt like um, he was wronged in this whole situation. But instead, he writes about them. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. He said, This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ, when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel this way about you, all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share 
with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Now, can you just hear the encouragement in this as you listen to what's going on? I mean, I, I read it and I can just feel Paul's warmth for these people. And, you know, I wonder that even as I was reading it, and I was wondering if the, if the question might come for you, like, okay, that sounds great. I'm glad Mario read that, but, but what does that have to do with me? And, and what I want to suggest is that it has everything to do with you this morning. And you might be going, why? And I would say, well, it's this. Because even though you might not be a missionary on a foreign field uh, doing the missionary work, you all have the ability to be an influence in somebody's life. Your life matters. You have impact in the way that you live your world. We all have the ability to influence people with the gospel in ways that we're aware of and in ways that we're not aware of and in ways that other people are aware of and maybe they're not aware of. You know, I remember um, when I was in high school, uh, there was a documentary that came out on PBS, and I can't quite remember the name, if it was called like, The Making of Cool, or if it was like the, the Marketing of Cool. But what I do know is that within this documentary, it showed how these people had recognized that the high schoolers in life were the people to market to. That's the new generation that we want to put all of our time and energy and funds towards. And so what they would actually do is they would send, all these big companies would send people to schools. Now listen to this, they would send them to schools and they would find the cool people on campus. And when they found them, they would give them uh, the merchandise for that company. So, um, you know, say it's Nike or say it's Re Reebok, if you even remember what that is, that was back then. All these different companies, they would come in and they would give these, these, these cool people the merchandise with the idea that if they wore that different stuff, then maybe the other people around them would start to notice because these are the cool kids. And then they would be able to start to, um, people would buy it simply because they saw the other people doing it. The marketing people had all of this in mind that these type of people would have influence. And I just remember being in high school watching this, this whole thing, and I'm thinking, I don't actually know if that's true. That was my first thought. Because, I mean, I was in high school, nobody came to me with their merchandise, and I know I was the coolest kid on school, so uh, something might be wrong here. But then my other thought was also this. It's pretty amazing that these people would find a way to somehow step in and know how to influence people's lives in real intentional ways. And I think that that's something that we sometimes miss is the, our ability to be able to influence. So fast forward 20 years later, uh, maybe 20 plus years, because it was just a few years ago, I'm sitting down having coffee with a friend, and this was before Instagram had really taken off as the platform to be on. And he was just telling me about how he was gaining so much traction and so many followers that there were these sponsors that were starting to come to him. And as they were, they were telling him about how to market their product. And, and so I asked him, like, so how does that even work? And he says, well, you, Mario, you can't, I can't just, like, take this product and stick it right out in front in my photo. Like, that would be too blatant, too obvious. Now, what they tell me to do is just, just kind of put it in the corner or just kind of be subtly happen to be 
drinking whatever it might be or doing whatever the activity is. It just happens to be that it's in the photo that I'm taking and that's the way that it shows up. And, um, and that way, these, these sponsors, these brands were continuing to get their stuff out into the marketplace by using these people. Now, if, if you're watching this um, and you're, you're my age and older, um, you might not know that these people have a name, but I, I guarantee that, that any of your students, any of your young people would definitely know what we call these people. You know what it is, right? Or maybe you don't, but I'll tell you, they're called influencers. Okay, yeah, that's what they're called. These people who have massive followings, they're called influencers. And, and I think that's really the right word to call it. I mean, that makes sense, but, but the subtle message in all of that is that if they're the influencers, then that must mean we're not the influencers. And I want us to really think about that because I believe that there's actually a truth that we are influencers. And I think that sometimes that very same thing ends up creeping into the church in ways that we don't think about. I mean, for instance, uh, I have pastor in front of my name. Tom has pastor in front of his name, technically. We can put the reverend in front of our name. And so what ends up happening is that because people will call us pastors, or we might call ourselves pastors, then there's a subtle message that somehow you aren't. Somehow you're something else, something other than a pastor. But what I want to say this, in this moment is that that is simply not the case. God has equipped every single one of you to influence somebody else's life for you to be on mission to share about who Jesus is. So in that regard, you're all pastors. In that regard, you're all missionaries. We all get to do this together. In fact, there's a guy named Peter, another uh, biblical author, and he has a great story in the Bible with him and Jesus and how that rolls out. He says so much. He says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's who you are. And so the question isn't, is, is, isn't like, do we have influence or don't we have influence? The question isn't, uh, are we pastors or are we missionaries? The question is, what kind of pastor or missionary are you? Or if you don't really like that language, you, we could ask, what kind of spiritual leader are you at home? What kind of spiritual leader are you amongst your friends, with those you serve? And how are you sharing the truth of Jesus with others? I mean, you can, you can choose whatever language you want, but the bottom line remains the same. Our lives are meant to move towards spiritual maturity in a way that influences and impacts other people's lives. We all have the ability to influence. We're all priests in this royal priesthood that we're a part of. So yes, as you listen to what Paul had to say, and as we unpack what Paul had to say a little bit more, this passage has everything to do with you. Because just as Paul had influence with the people he was with, so are we called to have influence with the people that we find ourselves with. And so I just want to encourage us, as we look at what Paul did as he was writing, there's something for us to take away, for us to take into our lives and do the very same things as we find ourselves interacting with the people that we find ourselves uh, running into day in and day out. And so with that in mind, one of the things that we see him doing is giving thanks and expressing care for partners in ministry. Again, Paul says these words. He says, every time I think of you, listen to this, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. Now, now I can just imagine as Paul is writing this, he's thinking about what it was like when he first came to that, that riverside or that, that body of water and there was Lydia and he got to talk with her and she came to know Jesus. And he talked to the jailer and he's saying, you guys, you're all my partners in this. And I just want to thank God for you and so many others in the way that you do things. 
Something happens when we pray together, doesn't it? Something happens when we serve together, when we give together, when we plan together. There's something that starts to happen when we come together under the headship of Christ and do His work as a, as a faith community, as friends, as brothers and as sisters. Something starts to take place relationally between us. Relationships and bonds are created that sometimes can end up having a, lasting a lifetime. I still have friends from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that long, where we still are connected simply because of the work that we were doing back then. I was little and had opportunities to be able to invest, and I still have some of those friendships now. And I would say that there's something that takes place when we go through those moments together. Some of you have done life with people and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've, you've suffered together, you've had hard times together, you've gone through and served together, you've had joy together, you've laughed. And as a result, there is this deep connection, this deep relationship that you have that continues on. And I, I just want to encourage you, if that's the case, when was the last time you, you've done what Paul did? He just took time to give thanks for those relationships. He took time to write to them and remind them of how much they mean to him. Maybe for you, that's something you need to do today. And maybe for you, you, you're in a spot where you're going like, I, I hear this Mario and I call myself a believer or maybe even not, but I don't have community like that. And that's why we talk about groups so much. We just want to encourage and invite you to get into one of the groups that we have. Or maybe just go up to a person, I, I, I often say this now, like talk to a person, uh, one of the old dudes with, with gray hair or, or no hair. Just come talk to one of us. I'm getting more of it day in and day out. So come and talk to us. We would love to just connect with you. And I'm just inviting all of us gray-haired old dudes to go talk this to any of you that are younger as well. And let's just start a relationship that we can be in community and grow together. Even if it's not an official group, being discipled is so important and we need that in our lives. And so wherever we find ourselves, to be in a posture in which we're giving thanks for those relationships, I pray for you that you would be able to find yourself, if it's not now, that there would be a day that you would be able to say, man, I just want to thank God for the times we were able to go through together and minister together. That needs to be a part of our story as, faith, as, a, as a community of faith. What we also see Paul saying is this. We see him doing this thing where he emboldens people with what God is doing in their lives. He emboldens them. Listen to these words. In verse 6 he says, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I so love this passage. This is one of those things, when I read it early on, it was one of those things I deposited so deep in my heart because it was just such a good reminder. And maybe it can be a good reminder for you this morning that God is not done with you. Maybe you, 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 you logged in this morning, you, you tuned in this morning. I don't know where it is you might find yourself before this, but you, you came to this, and before you came, you were having that sense of, of, I don't know that I want to continue this journey. Or maybe it was like, you know what, I messed up again. And you know what I'm talking about. It's like I messed up again. Like, is there any point in even doing this? Does God even care? Does God even see me? And I, I know these things because I've been there before. And likely I'll go through moments like that again. We all have moments like that where things get tough, where we start to question, and it feels like we're doing all the right stuff, but it's just not going the way that we hope for. Our spiritual journey is not going as fast as we think and would like for it to be. And it brings us to a spot to go like, does God even care? Does he even hear? And then we come across verses, passages like this, that Paul says that he who began a good work within you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Some of you just need to receive and hear that wherever you're at this morning. God is not done with you. 
He has something in store for you. He's not done with you yet. So hold on because he has something in store for you. Keep continuing to move towards God. Another passage says that though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up again. And I just want to encourage you to continue to move forward in your faith in Christ because God's not done with you. He seeks to carry you on to completion as you continue to press in and lean into him. Some of us need to receive that truth this morning. And I'm so glad that Paul wrote it to the people of Philippi. And we've got to be able to take that in for ourselves today. For some of you, you know that truth and you've been holding on to it. And the thing that we need to do as influencers is to take that very same word and to offer it to somebody else who's so desperately in need. Because you know the people in your life, right? I mean, they're your neighbors, your family members, people maybe that you even work with, that you know that they're going through a difficult season, that you can encourage them with God's word, that he sees them and he's not done with them yet. That's something that we can do. That's something we see in this passage. And finally, what we see Paul doing in this section is that he is taking time to pray for the spiritual well-being of, of the people. These people of Philippi, they were so close to his heart, and he wanted what was best for them, and so he prayed for them. Now, I know that for some of you, you have the ability to be right in relationship with the people that you're with, but some of you, you even have family members that maybe even have cut you off because of what you believe. And so you're left in this place of you're saying, like, Mario, how can I influence people when I'm not around them? Well, I want to say this, you can always pray for him. You can always pray for him. And here's what Paul prays, and I want to encourage you just to take in some of these things that maybe you can use as part of your prayer life. Because I don't know about you, I know many times I go to prayer, I'm just like, I don't know what to pray. And I'm so grateful for the men and women in Scripture who give us something to pray for. And so Paul prays for these things. This is what he says. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may able to live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. That's what Paul prays. And what we see in this is four different things that Paul prays for. And I just want to recap them for you so you can kind of have it in a, in a, in a nutshell. So these, so these can be the things that you pray for the people in your life. He says this, I, I pray that they might be able to discern what is best, not simply what's good. You see, we have too many, peop too many people in our lives. And maybe you find yourself in this situation where we're just grabbing for what's good. When Paul's prayer for them is that they would li live and go after what's best. There seems to be something that's best for us. God has our best in his mind, and he wants us to go after those things, not just the, thing that, the simple thing that comes our way. So Paul prays for that. You'd be able to discern that. He also prays for them that they will be morally and spiritually prepared for the Lord's return. And we do want that not only for our own lives, but for the people that we're discipling, that we're investing in, right? Morally and spiritually prepared. We know that the Lord is returning at some point, and we need to be those people that are living ready at every single moment. He also prays that they would live lives that are heavy with the fruit of righteousness. And I love that, that picture of just being heavy, so filled with the fruit that, that would honor God with the way that we live our lives. And finally, the fourth one is that ultimately, everything would be for God's glory and God's praise. It's like, that's what I pray for them. And I just want to encourage you that those are prayers that you can be praying for the people in your lives. And that's a prayer that I, I want to be praying for you in just a little bit. 
But, you know, I was just thinking about that picture of what it looks like to be heavy with fruit. And um, my, my boys and I, actually it was my whole family, uh, just a few, few days ago, we were out at a friend's house. And uh, this friend had a peach tree. It wasn't a large peach tree, but it was packed full of fruit. Peaches were all over the place. Some were on the ground, but there were just so many on the tree. In fact, there were so many of the, the peaches on the tree, the tree ended up splitting. It cracked under the weight of having so much fruit on it. And as I was just reflecting on that and preparing and prepare to speak to you this morning, um, one of the things that just came to my mind is, is I don't want our lives to be like that. Paul, his prayers that our lives would be heavy with the fruit of righteousness. But here's the deal. If we allow the life of God to be working in us, that there would be some amazing things that God is, is, is producing in us, but we never choose to give it away. If we choose to hoard all that God has given to us, our lives will end up cracking. We'll end up being in a spot in which our lives are not able to be a blessing, and we end up falling under the weight of all that God has and wants to give to us. We were meant to give our lives away. And so I want to encourage you, as God allows this fruit to, to be come up in you, that we wouldn't be people who hoard it, but we'd be people to give it away because there's a world that so desperately needs what it is that you have to offer. And so I just want to encourage you in that. That was Paul's prayer for them. And I believe that as we prepare to close this morning, that this is something that you can be praying for the people in your life. And I want to pray for you. And so, you know, you might be listening to this and uh, you, you've never really given your life to Jesus. And the way that you've been living, um, you've been living without meaning and without purpose. And you're hearing about this God who's saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to give you meaning. I want to give you purpose. I want to put you in a family. And you're saying like, yeah, I want in on that this morning. If that's you, I want to pray for you because this is your, this is your day. This is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for all of us in the same way as that Paul prayed for us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and uh, we're just so grateful for an opportunity to be able to come and to receive your word for us this morning. And I just want to pray for my friends right now that, that are tuning into this and they're in a spot where they've never given their life to you. But this morning, on a whim, somebody told them to, to check this out, or um, they just happened to be, be flipping through whatever channel, whatever it is, and they came across this, and they're saying, I want in. I want, a, I want a relationship with Jesus. If that's you right now, I just invite you to open up your heart to him. And uh, they don't have to be these words, but there's a heart posture that says something like, Jesus, I'm going to give you my heart, and I give you my life. Uh, I've been trying to make meaning. I've been trying to make purpose take place. I've been trying to find some, some sense of myself in this world and it just, I cannot find it. And I ask you to forgive me for that, for looking for other places. And I'm learning that it's you. And so I give you my life right here, right now. And I'm asking for you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my heart. And I know that you say yes to that prayer every single time. And so I give you thanks for it right here, right now, that you're giving me life in Jesus' name. Father, I pray also for my friends that are tuning in this morning who um, are going through different things in their life. Lord, some of them, they're in a spot where, to be honest, uh, they're ready to give up on you, ready to give up on themselves. And Lord, they're giving themselves to you fresh and again as they're hearing and receiving this word that you who began a good work within them is going to carry it out. You're going to carry it out into completion. And so, God, I pray for those that need to receive that this morning, that, that they would receive that into their lives, the truth 
that you indeed see them, you know them, and you have a purpose and plan for them. I pray for those of you that are, that are tuning in this morning that have not found family and have found relationship, uh, I just encourage you to take that step. And so, God, I pray, God, that as these people um, get into a spot in which they're saying, Lord, um, I need community, I need fellowship, I need relationship. God, I'm asking that you would provide it, that you would bring just uh, along the right person, the right people to be in their life, that they would have people that would journey and travel with them, that they would be able to say at some point along the way, I thank God for the ways I got to partner with you. And God, some of us in, that are tuning in right now are just in a spot where um, we have people in our lives that we might not be able to be in contact with, but we want to commit to praying for them. And so, Lord, fresh and anew, give us um, by your Spirit the, the wherewithal, the reminders, whatever is needed to be people of prayer on behalf of others. We need to be those people, and we recognize that this morning, and we're stepping into it. And so, Father, I pray for those that are tuning in this morning. I pray, God, that they might be able to discern what's best. I pray, God, that they would be morally and spiritually prepared for the Lord's, your return. God, I pray that they would have and live lives heavy with the fruit of righteousness. And God, I pray that in everything that they do, that you would get all the glory and all the praise because you alone deserve it. May it be true for all of us, Lord, that we would live our lives in this way. I pray and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to encourage you today. First of all, thanks for tuning in. And I just want to say that if you've given your heart to Jesus today, or maybe you just want somebody to pray with you, I would just encourage you to use that same number, 360-505-4636, and just text in the word uh, today to that number. And when you do, one of our team will get back to you. We'd love to help you take whatever it is to be your next spiritual step so you can grow into who God has called you to be. Let's do this together because we weren't meant to do it alone. I think Paul makes that very clear. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to live out and be people of influence as you uh, prepare to turn this off. And I would encourage you to be reading in the book of Philippians because we'll be stepping in the, back into chapter one next week. So with that, have a blessed week and look forward to seeing you next time.